Alright guys, it is mid-October and we are entering into one of our favorite times of the year. If you are a listener of the podcast, you know we love all things scrape related. Whether that be creating mock scrapes in a new area or adding scent profiles to pre-existing scrapes. These are tactics we like to utilize this time of year to either get an inventory of bucks in a new area or to try and get that target buck into a specific kill location. Now, when it comes to anything mock scrape related or scent related, there's no one we trust more than Brush Creek Monsters. Myself, Chris, and many of our other team members love utilizing their natural scrape vines for any of our mock scrapes. Another one of our favorite products is their Doe on Fire Estrus, which will be available within the next week. One of my favorite things about Brush Creek is that all of their scent products are natural. They come from their deer herd. There are no additives. So you know when you get a bottle of Doe on Fire, it comes from a specific doe. It is bottled fresh and shipped out quickly. Like I said, they're going to have does coming into estrus within the next week. However, they do have a limited supply. So if you're wanting to check out any of Brush Creek Monsters products or get a bottle of Doe on Fire, go to BrushCreekMonstersLLC.com. That is one word, BrushCreekMonstersLLC.com. Hey everybody, Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gun works. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and i got to tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year. I used a 12. Josh used a 20. And uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of the Saddies loads. And my God, do they put the birds down like crazy. Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the Saddies Fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. Kurt Buck down, baby. Oh my gosh, that was freaking awesome. This is my first public land buck. This is my second set of the season. I can't even. Oh my gosh, I just heard him fall. I just heard him fall. Uh. I just shot my Kentucky buck. Welcome to uh, Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Christopher Leppard, and I am co-hosted with 17 other people, including Rick Cates and Josh Luck. Tonight, we are joined by Dakota Cantrell. How are you doing, Dakota? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. Too bad. Good. Be uh, better sorry, if I had I, dead deer. I stole yeah. your intro, Rick. I'm sorry. I know that's like the <laughs> highlight of your week. I mean, it's the only time that I really get to talk on here anymore, so. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, so, we have Dakota Cantrell on the podcast tonight. Uh, Dakota, you uh, 
we we kind of came to know you through the page and we've actually met you at the southern show in chattanooga this past year kind of stopped and talked with you a little bit and then got to looking at like some of the deer you're putting down and you've put down some bruisers um and been on some really really nice deer uh at least for the pictures that i've been seeing and you know kind of following you this year but before before we get into that can you know give us some of your background tell us a little bit about you know your hunting style and how you grew up and you know how that's evolved into you know how you're a hunter now yeah i'm uh 27 years old uh kind of a young guy in the mobile hunt community if you want to call it that um I'm from Southern Tennessee. I was born and raised here. I mean, I've moved 30 miles from where I grew up, maybe. Um, still hunt there. I've started hunting like just about everyone in the South does, I think. Grandpa took me. Uh, started with a gun. Dad only gun hunts. He is not for bow hunting. He, uh, <laughs> he, says, he says it wounds too many deer. Um, that's just... You know, that's just a gun hunter's mentality. He, I mean, he kills plenty of good deer. He just doesn't like to bow hunt. Um, I picked up a bow when I was about 16. Bought it from a pawn shop, actually. It was uh, Matthew's Outback. Oh, boy. That's what I still have. <laughs> I, still have I still have it. It's a, it's a killer. Um, I, yeah. think I, killed, I think I killed six or seven with it in the first couple of years. And then uh, bought new matthews and 2020 i think mm -hmm. and i mean i've been bow hunting only since 2020 i think wow so exclusively only bow hunting uh, i killed one with a gun last year in kentucky just that's first year on that lease didn't really know what was going on went ahead and used a gun wish i would have hunted with a bow because i killed the deer at like 22 yards that's the re that's the reason i went to bow hunting man i every deer i would kill with a gun was like 12 13 15 yards oh man you know you kill one in november at 12 yards with a gun you kind of wish you had a bow in your hand i've i've never killed one with a gun oh and i feel, and I feel like any time oh yeah we stop please <laughs> i think we should pause pause g strings out the chat um, I was going to say, I've never killed one with a gun. I never, I didn't grow up gun hunting. My my dad wasn't right. into gun hunting. Well, I think, I mean, that's, that's Midwest thing. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I guess, you, yeah. Ohio's Midwest. Yeah. We ready to pick back up, Chris? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you could actually just continue without me. I'm, I'm going to murder somebody one day. Literally <laughs> upgraded as good as somebody could probably upgrade with computer internet and router and i can't make it it's like somebody's sitting there like wait till this little <laughs> bastard starts recording and then i'm gonna just drop his ass Unplug it. Plug it back in. oh my god somebody's hitting a lag switch somewhere man Dude, I, <laughs> I literally our internet here is like we have the, like, like the fastest you can buy but i'm on my lte right now because it sucks mm. yeah <laughs> I have enough internet for like a decently <laughs> sized corporation with a router, the whole nine. I've got a Mac. I mean, I'm rocking and it's worse than when I had my welfare internet and my welfare, my food stamp well, like, router. Yeah. Like what my parents have is like the least you can buy. It's faster than any internet I've ever been on. 
It's annoying. All I right. think one we're, of my neighbors is killing me. Where where are we at? Dakota, you were you were talking about uh, gun hunting. Uh, yeah, how you killed one with the gun in Kentucky. Yeah, uh yeah, I shot one up there with a gun, you know, just because it's first year on the lease. Yep. Wanted to get my get a feel for it. Didn't want to feel left out. It's the only guy that didn't kill one. Turns out I'm the only guy that killed one. Um <laughs> Just which we'll we'll come back to that, but it's because I was more mobile. So when, I mean, yeah, go ahead. When was your transition? Well, I I know you kind of you said you grew up kind of like the typical Southern style of hunting. You know, going out um, and having your grandfather and father kind of teach you the ways. But when when did you start to make that transition of you know kind of realizing okay there might be a a different way or a better way to do this and I'm I'm going to change up my style. Yeah, so like 2016, I think, I killed the first deer that I had ever had on camera and actually killed it, you know. So like, and I actually had that deer on camera in 2014, didn't have him in 2015, killed him in 2016. So he was five years old. Hmm. Um, I only knew that because he, he had a messed up back foot, big scar on it. Like he'd been hit by a car or something. But uh, 20. The end of 2019, January 2020, I uh, I had been following like Dan Infault, uh, guys like that for a while. Um, 2020, January 2020, I bought a saddle, um, and I've been mobile ever since. I mean, I've it's it's really changed things for me. I've never, I don't think I've hunted out of a preset in what, what is it four years now. Nice. Except for the one, except for the one I sent Chris when I was going to kill that velvet deer and uh, shot him where I told him I was going to shoot. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> so since since you switched, like I'm like Rick said earlier, we've kind of knew you through the through the fuel page and that like last year and that, and I feel like just last year and this year and then just some prior years of looking through your social media, it seems like you've been consistently putting down deer uh yeah um great 20, deer. 20, yeah, 20. don't don't sell yourself short like putting down <laughs> yeah. great deer um, 20 2020 i actually killed the biggest buck i've ever killed and uh i shot it from the ground i didn't i didn't even make it to the to the tree i wanted to make it to um it was i mean it was a pretty pretty big 10 point for here five-year-old and uh then I think it's the only deer I killed in 2020. And then 2021, I killed two. I mean, like, I killed a mid 130s eight and a low 140s eight point in Tennessee in five days. Jeez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was something, which I only hunted, I think I hunted that piece uh, five sets that year. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like, for me, especially the smaller property, like, I hunt 20 acres in Tennessee. There's 20 acre pieces. I have two pieces. Um, the less you hunt it, the better it is. Like, mm-hmm. if you only hunt it when it's right and your access is perfect, you're going to kill them. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. I have a piece like that in Ohio. Yeah. I sat, um, how many times did I sit in 2023? Yeah, I sat three times in 2020, and then in 2021, I sat twice, and then I got a little too aggressive last year, and I, I messed it up, and then, then my son was born in November, so I didn't hunt a lot. Right. I've actually hunted 
there and I've, I've sent you pictures dakota of yeah. a couple of those deer that are there but i've I've hunted it twice now um and i don't think i've boogered anything up but i'm hoping to only put in another couple sets we'll see yeah that's that's kind of where i'm at uh, i mean i've hunted the deer i hunted i think i sent it to you guys the one i tried to kill in velvet the second and third day um he's been on i mean he's been on that property all year and i've hunted probably five or six times now but my access is so good now that mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not like it used to be you know they don't even know you're there i mean you get in and get out they don't know you're there you can hunt it more than when you're not as smart with your access and blow them out yeah absolutely absolutely so oh chris you got something you want to ask never mind go ahead no i just i was going to kind of touch on it it's it's always interesting to hear people talk about this aspect of like basically not blowing it up it's so much different than the public land mentality like it's it's a 180 but i like i got to play that game and literally like he said the less you hunt it and when you stay out until it's right which some places you're not you can think whatever you want but you will never kill an early season deer on certain farms some farms you're never going to touch a deer late and it's weird because as i've accrued little private parcels anywhere from you know two to 70 acres or whatever some of them man you'll see deer early some of them you'll see deer you know once you get into that late part of october some of them it'll hold the deer early and then you know into the rut and then they're gone and they'll come back or whatever and then some i can't buy a deer until late season (laughs) and and like some of those farms where i just stayed the hell out until the end of october dude that that first two i mean two weeks of hunting basically and you're going to have an encounter with probably the biggest deer you have there um you know it's it's insane and once i figured that out i almost kind of started to see a pattern there because the more you stayed out and 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 then you know, I started to learn how to hunt these areas without even pressuring them. Like I'd hunt on one side of the fence where the deer wouldn't go at all. So I could just sit on one side of the fence because I got permission on both properties, obviously. So I could sit on one side of the fence where the deer basically won't go and hunt every day. And I'm not pressuring a thing and shoot a deer on the other side when he comes through. And then, of course, you know, I think a lot of people in the Midwest and, you know, I think we can probably include people in Kentucky, Tennessee, people are figuring out the passing game and how you can legitimately let those deer grow up. And, you know, in the South, you might not have the genetics to get, you know, a lot of your deer up to the 140, 150 range, but you can have some badass 130s. And I'll tell man, let me get a five-year-old, 135 inch eight six you know 10 whatever i mean that's still a a hell of a deer mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i got a wall full of them it's it's fun <laughs> I, I love my private land buddies though because i i came from that i i started the opposite 
as a lot of my friends, you know, a lot of my people that I look up to and everything, they started on public land and they're like, Oh, I grew up on public land. I'm like, well, you suck. You know, like I, I, I had to go and learn recently. And what's funny though, is when you talk to a lot of pri- or uh, excuse me, public land guys, they're not keen on that whole like passing and inventory and year after year after year of data on each deer. And I'm like, if I don't, I don't shoot it, someone else will. Uh, yeah, oh, you yeah, can't dude, do dude, that. I... And you can't <laughs> be like that. I don't care if you're in Alabama, Michigan, Canada, Hawaii. I don't give a shit. Like, if you don't pass the deer, it's going to die. And, and then you're guaranteed to never get to see him again. And to me, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to act like I'm telling people they got to shoot what I think. But if you would like to kill better deer, stop killing the ones that aren't as good as you would like them to be and you will get addicted i guarantee it you'll always be thinking man i wonder what that deer could have been one one that i'm kind of guilty of but it's easier to be guilty of because i didn't kill it i had a um these guys know about him Uh, i had a three-year-old that i had encounters with during a saddle review i was dicking around trying to kill does and this 145 inch 10 comes in i'm like holy shit you know and we're getting trail cam pictures of him we're all like dude that's a that's a mega in the making he's gonna blow and sure enough we all had him like high 70s right around 80 basically Mm -hmm. and he did get killed i ended up meeting that dude the other day by the way but (laughs) i i it took everything i had not to say you know if your son wouldn't have shot that deer, he'd have probably been a 200-inch deer next year because he, like, that deer had everything. He had beams, mm-hmm. width, time length, time count. He was, you know, he, he was going to be something special. And and I would have shot him that year. I mean, I'm not passing that deer. That's the biggest deer in my life, and he's mature. But you always find yourself saying that, man, what if, what would he have looked like my best deer? Now I almost passed him at 171 inches. I was like, man, that's my 200 right there walking around. And I was like, (laughs) but you know what he looks like when he gets hit by a car? (laughs) Heartbreak. Screw that. Shoot him and be done in mid October. So the first big deer quote unquote, I ever killed, I killed, on our juvenile hunt with a gun here, I was about 10. This is a two-year-old, and it scored like mid-130s. He's a piece. It, his, his horns are like that big around. Like, <laughs> he, he would have been a monster. But, I mean, dude, I'm 10 years old, and I've never seen a deer that looked like that. Like, I, like dude, I, didn't, I, had, I had never even seen a 10-point, you know? And, like, until I was probably, shoot, like, I mean, like 2013-ish, we shot every deer, every legal deer that walked by. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, like my place is good. I, I will, I will say that. But back then, we would kill forkies, six points, spikes, and now, like, you you can't go down there without stepping on a two-year-old eight-point that's 110, 115. I mean, us passing those deer and us like deciding to pass those deer have made that place what it is. Mm-hmm. And people that people that want to say like. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to get off on a tangent, like the you know, soapbox here. But Chris really struck a chord. You step uh, right the hell up and get on that yeah. soapbox. 
like people all the time, man. Like I'll post a story that I've p- passed a freaking like 115, 120 inch two year old, three year old, and they're like, "Man, you're dumb. Like you don't need to pass that deer. Somebody's gonna kill it." Dude, the guys that hunt that 20 acres with me, my dad and grandpa would cut that thing down in a New York second, <laughs> <laughs> and they get by them every year. The 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 year I killed the two, the two like high 130s, 140s, eights. The one I passed him the year before, and he was probably like 120, high 120s. I passed him. I had him dead to rights. I mean, he, he snort wheezed at another deer. They were circling each other. Had him. My dad told me I was an idiot for passing that deer. And I freaking, I killed him the next year, locked on a doe. I mean, if you don't pass them, they're not making it. You know, mm-hmm. you're not, you, you know what's interesting, too, is you almost have to have a, a sort of narcissism. Yes. In the sense that just because you had the encounter, that no doesn't one. mean he's walking around finding every hunter's tree stand yes. in the world. You did something that was right and essentially perfect. Yes. And that's not going to happen happen every day of the yeah. year. Dude, my and, dad, my, I mean, my grandpa's retired. He hunts almost every day. My, <laughs> my dad gets a lot of time off to hunt, and they don't see the deer that I see. And it's on 20 acres. I mean... It's small. Like it, it's in small. <laughs> I mean, and they don't see the deer that I see. You know, they Man. get around people. So, so are you are you baiting? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. No, I just want to clarify. I mean, I feel like no. we've talked about that, I, but I want to clarify for our listeners. I can't. It's, not, it's illegal it's in Tennessee. Legal. Oh, it's yeah. illegal. Oh, it's that's illegal right. They got the oh, yeah, CWD no. stuff where they believe <laughs> no. it. It's yeah. never been it's never been legal to bait in Tennessee. I've grown up, and what's crazy is up there where I hunt to have the deer that we have, the genetics that we have. Though they're not, there's not a food source besides acorns and briars and natural browse for on the top of that mountain. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, yeah. So so explain this a little bit more. Like you're saying that you're you're seeing these deer on 20 acres, and your dad and your grandpa like they're skirting them pretty regularly what what do you feel like you're doing differently mobily uh is that a word mobily 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 being mobile being mobile <laughs> what do you feel like you're doing be, uh differently by being mobile and what are some of the tactics that you're using to get on some of these deer man i uh, specifically I mean, on private property too this is yeah, I, I feel typically like on private on property them. um i mean they they're hunting presets you know, and and not not like not like I would have a preset. Like they're hunting ladder stands. You know, I mean, just your typical. And I mean, that's cool. Like if that's what you want, that's cool. I mean, I don't feel like the people listening to this podcast are doing that. But like, yeah. if that's what you want to do, it's it's fine. Like if that's what you want to kill, that's what, that's what you want to hunt out of, and you want to kill the deer that come by that. That's fine. I wanted a little more. Um, I made it. I started making it happen because when I started saddle hunting, I could move to where those deer were coming through and skirting those presets. I mean, I mean, it's 20 acres. There's, I think four tree stand locations on the one. And I mean, I've, I hunt near them. I mean, you can see them sometimes, but it's not right on the X man. Like, like that's where I want to be. I want to be like, like if you, if you pick up a map and you look at it, you're like right there is where I need to be. That's where I want to be every time. And those those preset ladder stands aren't there hardly ever. They're close. I mean, 
sometimes they're gun range close, but they're not right on the money. It's so hard to pick a kill tree with being mobile, let alone <laughs> having a ladder stand. And like, I was, I had to climb, I think I was like 37 feet because I had to come up. I started at the bottom of a gully and just to basically get even, I wasn't even even with the damn thing. That one that I missed, I, I was yeah. below him, below him. And I mean, I couldn't imagine trying to hunt that way from a ladder stand. Out of it, a 15 foot ladder stand. Yeah, like I, I'd look like I was aiming at a mountain. Oh, excuse me, at a mountain goat or something in Colorado. Go ahead and Straight jot up. that time down, Rick. Um, I'll, 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 I'll do that. Yeah. Well, that's like the one in Kentucky. I messed up. It was the opposite. I mean, I told you about it. I'm. I'm on my second stick, so I'm probably eight. I mean, I'm 15, 16 feet at the bottom of my platform, give or take. I should have been 15 or 16 inches off the ground. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I got down and I looked. Like, you can see plain as day. Like, he, I mean, he skylined me. He didn't know what I was, but he knew something was wrong. I mean, he's four or five-year-old deer. He's not going to hang around. Yeah. No. It doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. No. If you would have had like a certain like clothing or something, he would have never been able to see, smell. Oh my yeah. gosh. If it looked Hear like you. <laughs> when are they going to eliminate the hearing too? Why don't they have that yet? Why don't we have like a white noise machine that nothing can hear, but it ruins their hearing? Then everyone can get away with those climbers then. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. I literally am going to put so much emphasis on these southern climber people Dude. at the show this year. Like I all I want them to see is one sticking SRT, all these different methods where like you you want to go 40 feet? Okay. Yeah. Let's go 40 feet and and I'll beat you with your climber and I'll carry enough stuff to fit in my hand. Well, like, that, Saturday I, Saturday midday, I was up there at our Kentucky lease with my future father-in-law and all of his buddies that I'm on the lease with. It's the first time I've been around a climber in dude, like five or six years. And he was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot up this tree real quick. See how it looks. <laughs> it sounded like someone was standing there beating two baseball bats together. And I was like, Nope, I'm going to the other end. Like, see, ya. Dude, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. And what's, what's funny is, is I, so I'm, We'll say that I'm a little uh, autistic when it comes to noise, movement, etc. So I always took it very seriously when I used a climber and I'd go out just like I do now with my mobile stuff and I'd practice because you really, to, yeah. to do it like I do it anyway, you have to be in decent shape both with your core but also like down in your ankles to angle that platform down to keep it away from the tree but yeah. also like i could see definition in my traps shoulders <laughs> and chest you know a month into the season because i'm just doing yeah deep ass dips all the way up and down the tree and and while i'm basically you know flexing my abs and calves to keep that damn thing away from the tree and well you, you go with somebody else and you're like 
I'm going to kill clang, myself. Clang. Oh, my God. <laughs> Would you please shut up? Dude, <laughs> please stop. I mean, and that's the thing. I'm not saying it can't be done. Like, you can, you can definitely – you can do it to be quiet enough to get past deer, but it's not as easy. No, it's not. It's <laughs> Man, way like, more work, and yeah. that's just going up the tree. Yeah. There's nothing that can save you when you're walking through a honeysuckle thicket. Mm-hmm. You're, I don't know if you guys have that as bad down your way, but it's terrible here. It's like not, I, I don't run into any honeysuckles really. Either. Lucky. Yeah. Even my ramrod this past weekend. <laughs> it's it's super thick. I was I was really worried about my father and his ability to use his climber. Uh, what day did I go hunting? Was that Sunday? Uh, I think I think we lost Chris again. Yeah, we did. It'll be okay. We'll we'll keep going. He'll come back. Um, But I messaged Chris and I also messaged you, Dakota, because you were like, is that that your brother? (laughs) (laughs) So we went out and he, so he is somewhat mobile. He's got two different climbers that he uses. Um, He'll, he'll still set his presets and he still likes to hunt over corn just because that's how he's always done it but he will bounce around with his climbers on the property um and I, he hadn't practiced with it heck he hadn't used it since last november so we go back in the woods and i'm like yeah. a little worried I'm like okay we had picked a tree prior and i was only 70 yards down from him and i was actually quite surprised he actually he was, I mean, he's always been one to, it's like, okay, when you're setting up, be quiet. And when he gets, when he sits, he doesn't move a muscle. It could be 10 degrees. He'll, he will let his feet fall off and he won't. <laughs> but that's how he's always been. But I was, I was pleasantly surprised because I, I was hanging, uh, I was hanging some sticks and hunting out of the saddle with the platform. And I, I heard like a couple clings, but it wasn't like super loud. Didn't hear didn't hear a lot of bark noises. Right. He he probably got like I could see him for where I was. He he probably got eighteen foot up. I asked him. I asked, I asked him when we got out. I was like, "Are you?" I was like, "How sore are you?" He's like, oh, "I'm not too bad." I haven't I haven't talked to him since, so I'm I'm sure he's been sore the past couple of days. That's like when I came down the other day. I was thinking about it, like how quiet I got down. I was thinking like I would like to have someone get like thirty or forty yards from me. And see if they could even hear, like, and, like turn their back and see if they even knew it was somebody climbing a tree. Because I mean, Sunday morning when I got down, I, I hit the bottom of the tree, laid my second stick down, was about to take the, the first one off the tree, and my bow's on the ground behind me, and there's three does feeding like forty yards from me on white oaks. <laughs> didn't have a clue. I just, I just knelt down. I actually knelt down, got to my bow, knocked an arrow, and I was like, man, if one of these, when these circuits gets close enough, I'm shooting it off the ground with a recurve. Like, you don't pass that. No. <laughs> hey, everybody. Rick here from Fueled by the Outdoors, and I'm here to tell you about a wonderful company, Saddies, custom ammunition and gunworks. Aaron Satterfield and his family have been turning out some awesome game loads lately. Uh, I've been using the Saddies Fatties uh, turkey loads, and i got to tell you, they stop a bird dead. Chris uh, used a 20 gauge this year. I used the 12. Josh used a 20. And uh, my son actually killed one with a 410 this year with uh, one of Saddies loads. And my God, do they put the birds down like crazy. 
Aaron Satterfield and his family have a wide-ranging array of ammunition, custom game loads, predator loads, turkey loads, the saddies fatty, and also they do gun work. Please get a hold of them with any questions that you have in terms of your custom ammunition needs. Go to saddiesllc.com. That's S-A-T-T-I-E-S-L-L-C.com and tell them that Rick from Fueled by the Outdoors sent you. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, like you said, you, you bounce around on this property. You're pretty mobile. Um, you, you hunt out of a saddle and so get, give a, give us a, like a, a brief rundown of what your mobile setup actually is. All right. So, it, um, it, it's kind of shifted just this year already because, uh, so I started in Tennessee, which we have the velvet hunt. It was like August 26th through the 28th this year, I think. Um, started there. I had the uh, XOP Invader platform, brand new. Bought it at the Expo. Bought the sticks at the Expo, the X2s. Um, hunted off those, killed that buck. Kind of kind of decided to start playing with a little hybrid setup. Um, bought the XOP retrograde. It actually fits in my case pack, which is probably the most convenient thing that I've encountered lately. Nice. I was afraid I was going to have to buy a new whole new system, and uh, it, it just slides right down in there. My sticks, they uh, they mesh right up to the bottom of the seat. It's quiet as heck. Um, I run three a three-step aider on the bottom stick, two-step aider on the second stick if I need it. Uh, I get, I mean, you're talking about my top of my first stick's over eight feet. Cause I'm six two. I mean, oh, nice. I'm, getting, I'm getting on up there. Second stick gets me to, you know, like it's, it's level with my eyes when I hang it. So that probably gets me to, you know, 14, 15. If I stretch it out, I can get 16 or 17 on the platform, but you know, rarely matters. What, yeah. uh, what aiders are you using on this? I use ultimator brand. Um, okay. I actually like with the XOP stuff, it's got that sandblasted, um, coating on it now. And yeah. it's, they have protectors on them. They're like a, I don't know what the material is called, but it's like the Chinese finger trap material. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's on there, and it's kind of protecting them, I think, from from that coating because it, it's a little abrasive. Um, it could be a little less abrasive, but it, it, I mean, it grips good. Nice. Yeah, I used those X2s uh, on Sunday for the first time, and I was. Dude, they're. They're. <clears throat> I'm unquote, budget stick. They're legit. Yeah, they are good sticks. And I haven't used so earlier in the year, and I, I still have them and I still use them, but I also have the latitude sticks, mm-hmm. uh, which are good sticks. I really like how they, how they just the attachment method and how they stick together. Yeah. And um, you put some stealth strips on it and they're super quiet. Um, before that, I was using uh, modded original Lone Wolf sticks that I cut down to like 18 inches. I was using those. So I didn't have like a ton of foot room and they were um, just like the single steps. And then the latitude sticks, double step, but still yeah. not like a ton of foot room. And then I used those X2s the other day and I've never had that much foot room. Yeah. I was like, holy cow, this is. <laughs> so I, I actually started with, uh, so when I first started, I bought Hawk sticks terrible decision <laughs> anyone that listens to this i don't care how cheap they are don't start with them 
you'll hate it. I started with a uh, tethered Phantom, and it, it was okay, but I'm kind of wide, and uh, it pinched the hips a little bit. So I, I, run, a, I run a Cruiser XC now. Uh, it, it does pretty good. If, I mean, if you're a bigger guy, their size three is really good for bigger guys. I'm, I've talked to a few guys that they like. They like it. Um, I started with the original. I switched from the Hawks to the original um, double step. The uh, uh, mini ultras, what they called them from XOP, mm-hmm. ran the, ran those for two or three years, however long they were out. And I mean, they were nice, but those X twos are a considerable upgrade for the price like it's it's they're lighter they got a ton more foot room like i I have a size 13 boot so it's uh it's kind of important Mm -hmm. that's a a tough stick to beat especially for the price they're like if they ever figured out a way to make those a little more packable if they ever figured out a way to make those a little more packable they'd be i don't know that you could touch them I tell you what I've never done is the uh, they have the little clip. Um, I don't remember what they call it, but they they mash together. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. used that on the sticks because it's loud. It is incredibly loud to pop apart. Okay. Um, okay. So- I, I actually do on my uh, so I used to run four sticks when I had the uh, the original mini double ultras, and I have the little holsters from XOP on my saddle. Dude, those things are awesome. I uh, I actually put my second stick in it when I'm coming down the tree now, instead of having to like throw it down or stick it somewhere. Because I I've got that little hook from uh, I think it's Innovating the Outdoors or yeah. somewhere. Yeah. On the back of my saddle, I hook my stand in on the way down the tree. Like nice. It. I was just gonna bring him up. He makes some really good stuff. Oh yeah. He's, yeah. He's I use his bow holder too. Yeah. Yep. Same. Yep. Yeah. Same here. Hell yeah, dude. This need, is this is nice to talk about. I need to add some clips to my saddle. I was thinking that just the other day when I was using those X twos. I have I have gear ties, uh, which work fine, but I need to add that. Um, Actually, the, uh, the the holsters I have them kind of like like not where you would put a gun, but like kind of up front a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between, yeah. between your loops and your first dump pouch. They don't hit anything. They never make noise. They never cling in anything. If you put them farther back, they, they like to swing. Yeah. And that's with, that's with yeah. any type of attachment method. I don't care what mm-hmm. you use, a loop or whatever. They're going to swing and hit stuff. And I don't, if I make a metal to metal noise, I might as well most of the time get down and leave. Yeah. Because <laughs> these deer that I'm killing on 20 acres are, I mean, they can almost hear me get out of the truck. You know, I mean, it's close. They're, yeah, they're right close. there. Yes. It's so depressing. I had a gentleman <laughs> message me earlier today getting some advice on some different gear. And he asked me Daisy Chain, Am Steel, which, you know, I'm assuming he meant any other Am Steel because <laughs> generally Daisy Chains are Am Steel. Didn't have the heart to tell him that they were the same. You know, they're both made yeah. out of Am Steel. And then yeah. he brought up cam buckles. I'm like, dude, cam buckles, phenomenal when you're talking about getting something tight to the tree a nightmare because i don't care what you cover them in or how careful and smart and agile you are that little bastard is gonna fall swing slide and go on something going to find metal is going to find metal whether whether you like it or not 
God. <laughs> it makes me so angry. <laughs> so I was like, honestly, yeah. dude, I use the USA Pros from the Amsteel guy. You can you can accomplish almost the same thing with like a trucker daisy. Yeah. But it, I mean, it, it takes more time. And again, you know, it's not like at that point, why not just use a rope mod? Well, see, um, for me, I, I use the, uh, it's, I think they're the trucker daisies from Real Deal Amsteel. Real Deal. They're not, they're not the elites. They're just the regular trucker daisies. I love that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I can get them as tight as I want. And it's quicker for me because I think it's because I'm so big. The uh, the USA's were tightening up on me. Like the the knot wasn't moving as good. Oh. So the USA's were known for that. Yeah. Um, the USA Pro doesn't do that at all. Yeah, I had I had that on my uh, my the Invader platform. Yeah, it works. It works great. Yeah, yeah, they're they're nice. Um, yeah. and but it but again like pick an air steel attachment like it, yeah, they're I mean, they're yeah. phenomenal. If you practice, and, you're going to be efficient with it. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'll say there are a few yeah. items out there that I would recommend a cam buckle for because they don't dig in quite as well. You know, platform stands, whatever. Right. And and again, can a guy who's very seasoned get them where he needs them? Yes. Yeah. But I'm talking to people who are beginner, intermediate, you know, whatever. I don't want them dancing around on the edge of something yeah. and their last tooth on a beech tree, sycamore, <laughs> you know, chestnut oak or something. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, hey, uh, uh, I fell. Well, I know this well, is tough to believe, but you did something wrong. <laughs> that's, another, that's another gripe I have on all the, all the pages on Facebook because everyone's jump and bash stuff, even stuff that I personally don't think is that great. 99.9999999% of the time it's user error. Operate. I would love I would love to be a fly on the wall <laughs> mm-hmm. when all these guys talk about the hawk stick kickouts and and then like I've had I've had some kind of major people <laughs> message me and say, "Oh, you you got to be so careful. Sticks will kick out and I'm like, "Bro, I man, I'm sorry, but yeah, no. I haven't experienced this at all, and and you know, knock on wood yeah. and anything else hollow. But I mean, I've never had a stick kick out ever. If, if you're doing it right, and also like, even if it's the best thing on the market, I'm still keeping my center of gravity over top of the center of the stick. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to dance out on the edge of that yeah. thing. Well, that's like, you know, I, I've seen. I'm trying to not be that guy. <laughs> you can um, be that guy. I don't care. Dude, I've seen videos on the freaking, on those pages of guys that are like, these sticks will kick out. And it's sticks that I've used. Well, like, dude, if you're not freaking dancing on the side of them and kicking them. Like, I had a video. I took a video on my phone and posted it on one of those of me standing on that freaking retrograde, kicking the side of it and the invader, like kicking it, and it wouldn't come out from under me. You know why? Because I attached it correctly. Exactly. <laughs> so what's interesting, too, is I can't find a single person that has had a truly bad experience with XOP that isn't directly connected to another <laughs> company. And now I will say, 
I have seen some of the things that XOP makes break, but here's the deal. Shit breaks. Shit happens. I get that. That's why we connect to the tree. And they're like, I think another thing people have to understand, and I don't want to sound like I'm making excuses. I'm just bringing up the truth and the reality of the matter is that they're a much larger company than most others. They are pumping out stuff way more. And when you get into that, you're going to have issues. I don't care. You're to have a break. I've, I've worked in manufacturing. I have made parts, not for tree stand companies, but I've made parts that go on things, cars that move their whole life. When you make something on that big of a scale, when you're mass producing something, you're going to have problems. Trust me. I've been there. I've literally lived it. I have friends who are mechanics who have not put oil caps on didn't replace uh, the front, didn't put the front differential fluid in the right spot, like didn't tighten the lug nuts, all kinds of different stuff. Yes. And they're not even mass producing anything. Right. Like they're, you know, so mistakes happen. I get that. Um, and, and to me, it kind of boils down to, and again, this is why we connect to the tree because you can sue anybody you want, but if you don't connect, to the tree you don't get to do shit so yeah. connect to the tree please via yeah. tether um yeah. anyone that listens tie in i don't yeah. care how you do it tie in tie in yep carry two lineman's belts so that way one can be a tether or an extra lineman's belt like if yeah. i'm going around a limb i'm tethering in above the limb and then i'm bringing my lineman's belt up so man i anyway. caught myself freaking saturday getting down Unhooked my tether, didn't have a lineman, lineman's belt on. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're climbing on yeah. ages, you know? Ugh. Like, you're one missed toe on the tree away mm. from breaking your freaking neck. And and the thing is, like, you could be the most athletic person ever. I'm not. Uh, we, we've got... Um, gravity is undefeated. Like, gravity is undefreaking-feated. And you know what happens yeah. sometimes? Fainting. Uh, a a short moment where you just kind of lose all your your balance and you might black out for a half a second and just kind of uh and then all of a sudden you're on yeah. the ground paralyzed. It wouldn't, even take, wouldn't even take that long man yeah yeah so you know equipment fails you name it i mean what if a squirrel jumps on you or something, something stupid yeah. a limb falls like there's so many things that nobody spotted the side about. of your hand on the side of the tree. Yeah, oh, bro, I'll jump the f- out of that tree. I'm, I'm coming out. That I'm catching the tree on fire Been while there. I'm jumping out of the tree. No, and and what's funny is when I was young, I never wore a safety harness, and I was like, well, if I start to fall, I'll just like yeah. jump to safety. Yeah, and I think about that now. I'm like, what a moron. Like, like the guy would, who says, "Oh, if I just jump out of the plane right before it crashes, I'll be fine." <laughs> that, that's me. That was me. Too. That was me. I'm that. I'm that guy. So Dude, I, I was like, up, same. Oh. We never used harnesses. I mean, like, I don't think I even used a safety harness till I was probably shoot, like 15 or 16. Like when I started learning about mobile hunting. I mean, yeah. ladder stand guys or not not ladder stand guys. The please don't attack me. <laughs> ladder stands. New people. Yeah, yeah. Most people that use ladder stands think they're super safe, and they break all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. they rush. Oh yeah, like they, they sit rust, up there. Your straps, straps come break. out. 
yeah, dude, man, like it's so dangerous thinking back on it. Like how you put him in a deadfall. <laughs> how the ladder flex, uh, flexes and oh, and pops out of itself, and then you yeah. go to climb up, and you basically just spear the shit out of yourself in the chest. Yeah, but yeah. There's so many things that can happen. So yeah. we'll stop freaking the shit out of everybody. But I hope you all. I Tired. won't even go into my graphic novel. Yeah, we I don't wrote. need to do that. Yeah, we don't want Rick's parents to disown me again. Uh, you but know, essentially, I don't think our sponsors want to hear it either. But yeah, probably not. So, <laughs> um, essentially, tie the hell into the tree. Yes. Don't come untied. Stay tied, tethered, lineman's belt, the whole nine. Like, I don't, I don't recommend detaching from the t- tree until you get down to the ground. Yeah, that's just how it goes. So, so speaking of tying into stuff, because this is how you end up killing big deer. You killed a great deer in Tennessee during the velvet season this year. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of that hunt and, you know, how that went and, you know, how you're able to get on that deer? Yeah, I would say it is uh, not typical at all of how I usually kill these deer. Um, this was the most easily patterned deer that I have killed in maybe ever. Um, I think I messaged Chris a month before I killed it, told him I was going to kill it in this, where, where I was standing, like showed him the view of the tree. And uh, that, <laughs> that's where it ended up dying. It, oh got out of bed, it got out of bed, came straight to me, and it, it got killed. <laughs> they never happened like that, ever. <laughs> Don't believe the fairy tales, kids. <laughs> so, so how did you end up patterning this deer? Like, what what went into so, that? How how long was this uh, it, uh, kind of a scout mission for you? Like, what did it look like? Um, not really. It, it, I mean, it was mostly trail cameras this time. Um, he was coming up off a point. I mean, that's pretty. I mean, that's you know pretty typical in the mountains. Came up off a point, which these deer, which is not typical of what you'll normally hear. These deer usually come up the points. They don't, they don't drop down. Like they, they hardly ever drop down to go feed. They have to come up because it's, we're at, we're at the top. Okay. So like if they go down, they're going down a bluff, like a mountain goat. Like it's legit bluff country. Not not bluff country, but it's bluffs. Mm -hmm. Um, So they bed, like the oaks will be a little bit higher than they are. And they were getting up milling around the oaks. Like there's probably a 30 or 40 yard buffer from where they would bed to the, the, it's actually just a, it's actually my grown up food plot where I killed it. And they were just, oh. pass, they were just passing through there. Um, they were stopping on oaks. I actually was sitting there and uh, I don't know how many people on here are going to be on with this, but I was uh, watching the moon position and. Uh, oh, a, you just piqued Josh's interest. That's fake. <laughs> well, you can fake it all you want, but the deer is dead. <laughs> it uh, it was during a major, and my buddy had actually texted me. He was like, "Man, what time's this deer coming?" I was like, 15 minutes." Eight minutes later, I look up, and I was low enough I could see under the like under the canopy of the low trees, and I saw legs, and it was the bigger bodied deer that was with him, had been with him all summer, and they came straight out. Um, they came to the tree, which is not ideal, like came at me and wouldn't turn. So the first deer passes under me. Second one's coming straight on the line. He does, won't turn. So 
I draw back. I'm going to shoot him between the shoulder blades, you know, like a not smart person and uh, <laughs> let it go. Perfect shot, perfect execution, except my pin was on 40 yards and he was at about 16. Um, oh. Hit him way back, man. I, I hit dead center. I don't know how I didn't spine him, but dead center, arrow exited. Uh, it didn't, it wasn't a pass through, but it went through his ham, <laughs> liver, guts, through the ham. Um, I knew it was a bad shot as soon as it happened. Called my dad. He uh, went to his house, went, gave him about three hours, went back. I mean, he only went 80 or 90 yards maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, you it, hit that artery? No, actually, I didn't. Really? It, was just, it was straight liver. Um, he had just expired when we got to him. He was, he was tucked up against the creek, creek bank below where he was bedded just he, he was in the water just i mean he was i knew it was a, i knew he was going to die i just didn't know how long it was going to take and he i bet that deer hadn't been dead 30 minutes when we got back to it man i i hate it and like it makes me feel bad when it's like that because i mean he was just tucked up there like trying to hide and i mean luckily thankfully it worked out but i, I just hate i hate making a bad shot like that especially mm-hmm. when everything's perfect in your mind and you make a perfect shot, but you do something stupid like that. And leave. That's the first time I've ever, ever left that pin like that before putting it up. That's the last thing I do before I put it back in the case. Same. I, I've <laughs> screwed that up too many times in my backyard on a target. And now I'm like, you know, you do a lot of dumb shit. Let's, uh, <laughs> Let's go ahead and put that back on 20 right now as we're thinking about it. <laughs> yes. That's that's pretty much where I'm at now. Like that's literally the first the last thing I do before I put that bow up. I reset it, put the bow in the case, close it up. And for some I don't know if it's because I put it in my truck, because I shot the night before. Mm-hmm. I shot the deer. So I don't know if it's because I just stuck it in the truck or what was going on, but Something distracted me. I didn't reset it, but I mean, it worked out. Deer, I mean, it came straight out of bed to me, just like you like. I mean, it's it's not a colorful story, but it's it worked out. So, I'd like to dive in a little bit on what piqued my interest mm-hmm. that Rick noticed. So, <laughs> you said this was the most admirable deer, right? That you've ever by had far encounter with. So. And you just talked about that major time as far as the moon goes. Mm-hmm. So, so with your observations of this deer and with your, your trail cam data, did you notice him sticking to those major times? And, and maybe let's back it up a little bit. Give your explanation of what like a major minor time is for the moon and, and then kind of transition onto how, how you saw this deer moving. Um, and if it, there was any correlation with, with the major times. Yeah. So major and minor is fancy talk for overhead underfoot. I mean, there's about a million different names for it and that mm-hmm. it's passed off under. It's all, it's all based on the same data that's easily findable. If you want to look for it. Um, the major is when it's overhead. Minor is when it's underfoot. That day we had a major. It was, I think, like 5.37 in the evening to 7.37 or whatever. But uh, you get two hours on the major and minor. And if you're on a deer that's feeding on anything, I mean, natural browse, acorns, coming through a hayfield apparently, 
and that major lines up with, and like to me, the last hour to hour and a half before dark, you better hunt him, or my or, or th- there's miners too, but it's like that. Those are between, they're they're the between times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he was he was super. Cons- I mean, he was doing it almost every day. You know, like it's typical summertime buck, but like those days in the month, month, month and a half. I don't put my cameras out till about Fourth of July, so okay. the month, okay. month and a half before I killed him, every time that major would be like right after daylight, right before dark, he was there. Like he was going back to bed late. He was getting out of bed early. I mean, and that's been pretty, pretty consistent on. I mean, even on deer moving on scrapes in the during the season for me interesting yeah i've been oh go ahead no no no. you go ahead chris so when you were describing the moon just to kind of throw it out there um that over i'm not i'm not about to make fun of you in any way uh but (laughs) um that two hour window is basically on both sides of the peak. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're like, you're the center of that. Like if it's like I said, five 30, seven 30, your peak six 30. So if you're looking at the peak overhead underfoot times online, you know, for free, don't have to pay for them. Timeanddate.com. You're looking at the Meridian pass. Sponsor Uh plug. Um, <laughs> I wish they better sponsor us one day, but we're, I don't even know how to I make think, that work. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think there's any type of monetary, uh, monetary supplements coming from that. But, uh, no, yeah, it, it, it's just, it, it's one of those things and it may not, it, I think it does. And a lot of people think it does correlate to deer movement and it may not, but it's, it's not going to hurt you to know it. You know, it's just like when guys are talking about like, well, it's around a full moon, like they're moving in the middle of the day. Guess when your major is during a full moon? The middle, the of, the middle of the day. The middle of the day. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that's what I was just getting ready to look up. And if if you watch your cameras, <laughs> I promise you, like uh that buff after the full moon. Up, yeah. Yeah. That's that is a thing it's times ten. Moving straight down. on towards daylight. Yep. Yeah. That's before so this year i really started to try and keep track of like major and minor times and i i still think weather will trump it there's some out there that it's like that is it that's what you pay attention to i'm more like weather first and then if the moon lines up with with the weather at the right time then i feel like it might enhance the movement but as long as you're in the right location it's still location dependent Mm -hmm. Um, you have to be you can't be like two miles away from a buck you're targeting <laughs> and expect him to show up in daylight right right if you're if you're in that bubble and i'm saying that bubble is you know 100 ish yards or less from where he's at where he gets up out of bed or where he's going to bed i would definitely pay attention to it because he's gonna i mean even i killed uh it was last year i killed a pretty good velvet buck in tennessee he was five years old and i killed him on during a minor time period, which is like it's, it, I, I take it as a bonus time. So what, mm-hmm. what what I use tracks majors, which are the two hour windows, and minors are the one hour windows. What I use is actually a bass fishing 
forecast app. <laughs> Here, <laughs> pretty here's accurate the, for fish. Here's the pro tip right here. Yeah, pro tip right here. But it is deadly for deer too. So I caught that buck moving from his first bed to his second bed through a laurel thicket during a minor feed time and killed him at like, I think, I, so I got off work at uh, six in the morning, drove to the hunting spot, fell asleep on accident because, you know, you're tired. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, woke up, ran, set up the stuff, mm-hmm. and killed him about 30 minutes after I set up during the minor. He was moving through with his bachelor group, and I shot him about 17 yards. And uh, he was moving on a minor to his secondary bed, which is another thing that someone that I've talked to in Tennessee has taught me, is that once the day winds get up and start moving, some sometimes those deer, if you're close enough to their bed, they'll get up and shift. Like if, like if you're going from a, say a northeast to a northwest or west or something, they'll get up and shift to a secondary bed, maybe on another point, or on just just around the point even, which is kind of yeah. where I killed that deer. Man, man, that brings up so many different <laughs> topics to talk about. Yeah, we, we could have a four-hour could... podcast. We... Oh, dude. <laughs> We're going to have you back on to talk about these yeah, things. <laughs> Chris yeah, likes to talk fair. about that, especially uh, in the mornings when you get the day winds that pick up. And then yeah. You I mean, you get, a, you get a monitor that lines up with like that 7.30 to 9.30 period when the, when the winds start moving. You're fixed to see some deer. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I wonder what we're about to have here soon. We should be having something in the morning here soon, shouldn't we? Mm, good next, I I, next I week checked. um i know this morning not this morning yesterday morning was a minor in kentucky and the, the buck i messed up saturday showed back up on the scrape same time i i uh, oh, it, up. Man. <laughs> it is what it is he'll he'll die soon yeah uh, <laughs> i think we're by your it. hand not somebody else's though yeah. <laughs> yes we're gonna have what minors in the late morning early afternoon when the full moon comes through right yes um so according to the bass forecast that uh those are your most high value days because you get minor in the morning minor feed time in the morning major feed time in the middle of the day minor feed time in the evening i mean that's why if it's the the rut on all day you know (laughs) makes perfect sense I mean, and it's all wildlife too. If, if you'll if you'll watch, man, like the birds get more active, the squirrels get more active. Like I've really noticed that here lately. Is the squirrels will like start feeding heavy during that major and minor time. I mean, it. There's something. Them. Well, you noisy know. little bastards. They are, man. That <laughs> that freaking drainage in Kentucky. I bet there's thirty in it, man. I'm just, and it's so thick in there. I'm like head on a swivel the whole time i'm hunting it's it's, <laughs> yeah, that, it's that. stressful they lull you to sleep and then all of a sudden like, no nah, that's a squirrel and then the buck pops up and you're like yeah he's right there snap their necks. Uh, god well what do you think we want to ask him yeah ha- we have was, to we have to ask him the question ask him the question whoa, whoa, wait wait a minute we gotta ask him the question I talked about earlier before we got on. Let's ask him. Anyway, so yeah, I just wanted to dive into the the moon tidbit a little bit about yeah. um about that deer you killed. 
you what we also didn't mention is you've you've been hunting with trad equipment right yes yes and you had yes. an encounter with a really nice buck was, was this last week uh it was four days ago it was saturday four, yeah yes morning in october October morning, and how how close did you get to him? Uh, dude, he was he was less than ten yards. Yeah. I mean, I heard him heard him coming for probably uh, over a hundred up the drainage, just because he was so big. I mean, it was just that that typical like you know you hear it and it's just branch breaks, like twig snaps. You're like, that's a big bug. And then I see him at about eighty, and his freaking antlers look like goalposts because he's got his head back coming at that drainage. Mm. And I mean, I. T- as soon as I saw him, he was coming to the tree, so I went to turn. Well, then he kind of angled towards the scrape, and he, he was locked, like eyes locked on that scrape. You know how they get, like, like he's working that scrape. So I just mm-hmm. turned and put my foot on my stick to turn around the tree to shoot him on the scrape. Well, he gets to about 10 yards and kind of freezes, and he doesn't jerk his head up, but he just, like, slowly works his way up the tree to me. <laughs> and just climbs the ladder. He took about two hops, stood there and looked around and walked back down the drain, showed back up on camera yesterday morning, you know, building history. <laughs> We're building go. a good story. I was saying it adds, it adds to the legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got on that deer by being mobile. Oh, right. yeah, because uh, no one else on that property is – they're all hunting preset ladders. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hunting over, They're all hunting over corn that I'm the only one that has seen an antlered deer so far. And, uh, I've saw one 10 point that I'm pretty sure was in the one fifties stand up out of his bed and make a rub about 65 or 70 yards from me that buck. And then that same morning that I messed that buck up, I had a probably close to one thirties eight come up the same drainage, but he just kind of hung up about 30 and went, actually went and ran off another buck. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we're right there. Just uh, got to get them a little closer for the, for the stick. So, so going into, so this is going to release when, uh, Rick, November 3rd? Yes. So oh, yeah. going into this time frame of the year, what, Dakota, what, what are you doing to get, are, you, are your tactics changing? Are you focusing on anything different? I know you've, you've been hunting near some scrapes recently. Mm-hmm. So what is what are your kind of plans for this late October, the first week or two of November? Yeah. So that uh that particular ridge system where that drain is, I've hunted in there before. And that's where I've probably seen the most chasing activity on that farm. Um, there the, Sunday morning I saw eleven mature does from that stand. I mean, like, there was eight in one group, and then when I got to the bottom of the tree, there was those three more. And uh, one of those does is going to pop. If I mean, we're within days, I think. Oh, yeah. I, 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 it, it's supposed to be warm, but I'm going up there this weekend just because, I mean, that deer's daylighting, and those does are fixing to pop. Like, I know they are. Um, I don't really – I mean, there's still a ton of oaks on the ground up there. They're still eating a bunch of oaks. So I'm not really changing as much as I'm going to shift more towards those funnels and like drainages where I was and scrapes that are like on those cruising areas where they have to like, where they have to come by me. Like, you know, the typical 
Bobby Worthington approach. Like, get in a funnel, find a scrape, sit there. <laughs> I mean, that's just sit forever. Yeah, sit until you kill one. It's what no, that's I, what Chris is going to do. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be bouncing around between some spots, but I mean, that's just cruising areas, man. Stuff that pinches them down, where they have to come down one of those does. I mean, it's it's stereotypical, but that that's what kills big deer right now. So, yep. so you're also so. Just to clarify for listeners, this isn't any funnel anywhere. You're correlating it with <laughs> yeah. some doe yeah. bedding nearby. Yeah, I'm not just hunting, you know, that saddle up on the ridge because it looks good. I go <laughs> up there and confirm that it is good. There's a scrape or something in it. There's oaks nearby. There's doe bedding that I know is in the area, which is the case in this scenario i mean there's those does bad on the end of that point and for some reason the bucks are coming off the other point which i haven't walked down there to figure out why just because i don't want to mess it up we're in the middle of <clears throat> middle of combat right now mm-hmm. <laughs> no, i i think that's that's essentially the same yeah. tactic i'm i'm going to be using at uh my father's piece in ohio that i'm hunting right. same same kind of scenario um 23 acres Mm-hmm. Um, the difference on our property there there is bait on our property right well there's uh, bait there's bait where i'm hunting in kentucky i'm just getting away from it yeah, like, yeah. Where, where that scrape is there's probably there's a feeder probably 150 or 200 yards down the hill but the bucks i'm getting on camera are not the same bucks they're getting on camera at all oh yeah they'll, yeah. they'll skirt it and then yeah. uh, my my dad's on vacation the same time I am, and I, I know he's going to want to hunt near that preset near the corn, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. But there's also a funnel 80 <laughs> or 90 yards away <laughs> that's got a nice mock scrape that I made a couple years ago. It's been used, and I've shown you guys pictures of deer. Mm-hmm. And those deer yeah. don't always pop up on that camera where the corn is. So right. I'll be I'll be over there near that near that. Well, and that's point. what I was going to say is for guys that do like to hunt around bait which is fine like do it if you want it i don't want anything to do with it i hate it but if you want to hunt around bait i'm hunting the closest funnel to it downwind like mm-hmm. if those does are coming to that corn there's going to be a buck around it mm-hmm. like i mean uh i mean it's just it's just how it is like there's a hot doe coming in the corn there's going to be a buck nearby they can't help it yeah Yep, it, it's hard hunting right over it. Um, oh, dude, I I can't do it. Yeah, I, it makes me feel like I'm I'm Elmer Fudd, man, sitting there waiting on a wabbit. <laughs> what's that, What's it's, funny it's, is it's kind of hard. Sorry, Chris. Go ahead. Sorry, we no. talk at the same time a lot, you just do. like right now. Yeah. Yes. I was I was just saying if you're trying to get in there in the morning, it's nearly impossible. Oh dude, it is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> get get yeah. down get down wherever you think he's bedding from it and go in that way. Just, <laughs> just stay away from it. Yep. The bait the bait can be cool, but more often than not, you're probably not gonna kill a big old wise freaking buck over it. Yeah. I mean unless it's, it's not gonna happen. Opening week, Kentucky or somewhere that opens early. I mean, you you might have one tied down, but when you start getting into my, my thing is it's more pressure. It's just like in Tennessee, like mm-hmm. like we have the deer we have a lot of times because I don't hunt until now. 
on that private because everyone thinks because archery is open, they have to hunt. And it just like, it sucks them in. Like it just pushes them into the only place they're not being hunted, which is where I am. And then I have good access. So it's like, they're never being hunted. Pro tip. I like it. That's the <laughs> way to do it. Yep. I'm actually, I really want to get a deer down in Ohio quickly. Dude. On private because I want to go to Kentucky where I yeah. only have public because I'm just I really want to hunt it during the rut and just just stick an arrow through a dumb three year old. No, I blast something missed, with a rifle. I missed. <laughs> I screwed up the shooter in Tennessee. Should have been tagged out. Screwed up the shooter in Kentucky. Should have been tagged out by now. You know my my seasons went to plan if I could just uh if I could just shoot one. <laughs> You know, you, you don't get to see that many mature deer in a year, I know. So, uh, statistically, I'm running out of chances. <laughs> Man, now you're speaking my language. I was well, I mean, talking to Jacob Emery the other day, and I was like, you don't just see mature bucks all no. the time. You get two or three a year That's, during a solid yeah. year, and you better make the most of better your opportunities. And, that yeah, was me I, last year. I, I, killed, I killed two but I figured it up and I had, I had five encounters with mature bucks last year. And I was like, man, that's like, that's a good year. Even though you only killed two, you know, and, and I've got to go. So I was planning on being done in Tennessee by now. Should have been done in Kentucky. Now I've got to get both of those tags filled. I've got a bonus buck hunt on the uh, Oak Ridge laboratory here, which is archery only. And oh, nice. Uh, I have got to go to Missouri and at the end of November and I've got to cram in four more buck tags somehow. <laughs> Damn. That's a nice problem to have. Dude, it's just, it, it's <laughs> driving me nuts because I should be halfway done. So over the last, let's say year or so, what would you say your favorite thing is that you've learned when it comes to all things hunting whitetails? It could be something to do with mobile, something tactic white, you name it. What is your favorite thing you've learned? Over the last year. Yeah. Um, it could have been yesterday. It could have been 364 days ago. Man, I don't know because I'm, I'm always changing. Like I know everyone says that, but. Like I'm always changing. I don't, I don't, I try not to pigeonhole myself too much into one style, you know, like some guys are, they're all about buck beds. Some guys are all about, you know, whatever other factor there is. And I'm just like, try to keep an open mind. So I would say, I mean, it sounds kind of fatty and it's what everybody's about, but you know, the thermal hub, like drainage system type thing is what I've kind of keyed on more this year. Just, Cause I, I like to try new stuff and if it works for someone else, it's going to work for me. You know, like I feel like some people come into this mobile style hunting and do get a little pigeonholed and like, well, I'm only going to hunt buck beds or I'm only going to do this. Well, I'm only going to do whatever it takes to get them killed. Like mm -hmm. that's, yeah, that's all I care about. I want to kill a mature deer and I don't care if I have to do it with a knife, you know, um, <laughs> like, I mean, it's just how it is. Like, I mean, especially growing up hunting where I grew up, like, you really don't get that many cracks at them. Like, you got one chance, and you better make count, or you you may never see that deer again, or, 
you know, you, they may not even get that big. The rest of them may not. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's a good, Josh is probably going to hit on you at some point for saying that, by the way. But that's, that's probably what I've learned this year is, you know, because I got a little pigeon holy for a little bit. And uh, those holy pigeons will yeah. get you. Um, yeah. That's, I always I always like to challenge Chris's, Chris's thought process because I'm always like, you, you got to keep an open mind. Well, I mean, that's like me. I mean, just this year. That deer in Tennessee, I killed him straight from his bed. Um, the one in Kentucky was in a drainage system. He was coming to a scrape. The other one in Tennessee was he had just got up out of it. He had either just got up out of his bed or was, like, near his bed on a scrape. I didn't. But he was I, – I set up just – I wasn't aggressive enough, and I was at 40 on him instead of inside 20 like you need to be with a stick bow. You know, it is what it is. You might as well just hunt him with a knife, like you said. <laughs> no, spare him. It's not legal. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, Rick, you want to wrap this thing up here? What are we, about an hour, 15, hour and a half? No, man, you, you did really good. Yeah, hour and 15 on the dot, I believe. Not yeah, bad. look at that. So, guys, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. We've been your host, Rick Gates, Chris Lovert, and Josh Luck. We've been joined tonight by Dakota Cantrell talking big bucks talking mobile hunting dakota we really appreciate you stopping by and joining us guys we'll talk to you later bye see you bye good episode yeah great it's awesome always good to talk about stuff that we talk about every day